Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. If you are in the market for fine men's wear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you look, looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Etiquette Dawn as well. All coaches have their go-to drink for waking up and getting their energy boosted. For me, that's coffee. I prefer black coffee, so that means buying high-quality beans so that I can grind and brew them at home and enjoy my cups of happiness. Viking Coffee is my go-to company for a monthly subscription of great variety of beans that produce excellent cups time after time. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN, all one word, for a 10% discount off. Check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. In this episode, I talk with Coach Melanie Red about being a female strength coach in football, developing the well-rounded athlete, and leaving a legacy for her daughter. Melanie Red is a strength and conditioning, speed and agility coach functional movement expert, and the owner of Melanie Red Performance Training. Specializing in strength conditioning, functional movement, corrective exercises, and injury risk reduction, Coach Melanie has been helping people achieve optimal strength and performance since 2011. She has developed and coached performance and strength programs for athletes and adults around the world. She's the head strength and conditioning coach for Chaminade Julienne High School and oversees the strength conditioning programs for all sports. Coach Melanie is most known for her work in football. However, her mission is to get all athletes from all sports in the weight rooms across the country. Coach Melanie is skilled in sport coach education, helping coaches around the globe execute safe and effective programs via her platform titled the MRPT Performance Pack. Make sure to follow Coach Melanie Red on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or check out her website, mrperformancetraining.com. Enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by strength conditioning coach uh, Melanie Red. She's got a lot of things going on, uh, but one of the biggest reasons I wanted to bring her on is for her knowledge uh, and, and to talk about a lot of the things that she's involved with beyond just football and uh, the other things. So Coach Red, thanks for coming on. Happy to have you on and Glad we get a chance to talk about all the little things that you're doing and uh, more. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
So we first kind of got, I could say connected, but I I first was um, introduced to you through the football coaches connection group on Facebook. It's it's actually a really good group. Uh, A lot of good things that get um, talked about in there. But a lot of the times when coaches ask questions regarding strength conditioning, um, even if you didn't see it right away, I always saw you tagged in the comment section to, you know, please give your input. And it was always very insightful and, uh, you know, well thought out. It wasn't just some general regurgitated whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So when you are involved in a group like that, you know, one of the things that you have to sometimes unfortunately do is prove your knowledge, right? You know, they look at you, go, oh, she's, she's a woman. She's probably never played football. She doesn't know. So how have you overcome that deal? And, I, and I'm sorry to kind of come right off the bat with such a no. tough question, but it's, you know, it's just one of those unfortunate things that I think we're progressing to in terms of not needing that validity off the bat. Right. I mean, it's not a tough question because it's my reality. I live that, you know, every day. And um, so, yes, it's unusual to be a female in strength and conditioning. It's very unusual to be a female in football strength and conditioning. And I started my work with, with um, teams, team strength and conditioning in football. That's also very unusual. It's typically, you know, like a part of the ladder that you would be, um, climbing to and in the eyes of, you know, the rest of the world, I think, um, you know, and so, um, no, I didn't play football. (laughs) Um, but you know, when I, when I stumbled into that work and it literally was just like a chance meeting with, um, someone who, I adore and am just profoundly grateful to, um, I, I met a man who was our offensive coordinator at the time, um, just kind of in a chance meeting. It was just like a really random, um, thing. And, uh, you know, he was asking me about what I do and, and, um, you know, I was telling him, you know, I was a trainer at the time I was wanting to get into, more work with athletes and the team training aspect was very intriguing to me um, because I felt like there was a really big need for that in high schools across the country. And um, so he's like, why don't you just come out and look at the team and um, let's just have you watch a workout. Tell me what you think. And, um, you know, so around that time I had started working with a mentor and um, my mentor you know, was really like hounding me, like, what do you want? What do you want from your career? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I know that I don't want to do like personal training and air quotes. I don't want to do that anymore. It's just not like that interesting to me. Um, I want to do, I want to try something else, but I don't know what. And, um, you know, so those two things kind of merged into what is now Melanie Red performance training. So this observation day where I just kind of looked and, and, and act the kids and I watched their movement patterns and how they were moving. And, um, you know, it was like one of those moments where I didn't know what I was walking into. I knew about that school. It's only 15 minutes away. I didn't know, um, a whole lot about it, 
I didn't know, you know, we had this great, I didn't know they had this great training facility there. And, you know, like most high schools don't have very, well, you're in Texas, you guys have big training facilities, but in Ohio, that's not normal in high schools. Um, but, uh, you know, so I walked in and I knew like in that moment I got there and I think I got there like after the workout had already started. Cause I had, you know, my little one was, uh, needing to get off the bus and get her where she needed to go. And, and I walked in and I was like, it, it smelled bad and it was loud and weights were clanking and that energy of an entire football team, you know, working out together at the same time, I just like knew immediately, this is what I want to do with my career. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I want to figure out how do I do this work? What do I need to do? Um, you know, to do this, but not just that, like, what do I need to do to be really great at that? And how is that even possible when I'm a female who clearly, you know, never, um, played football. So, um, I'm just really fortunate. I think that, you know, the men, our coaches didn't care that I was a female. They just, they, you know, knew that I understood movement and, and strength and conditioning. And, um, at the time I wasn't even really very good at things that, you know, like direction change drills and speed drills and things like that. I actually, I had so much to learn and they were willing to like bring me on and utilize me for my strengths and my expertise and, and, you know, strength and, um, functional movement and, um, I have a correct corrective exercise specialization as well. And they were intrigued about that from the injury prevention, uh, or injury reduction standpoint. And so, you know, the rest was basically me just respecting what my limits were and not trying to coach things that I had really no business coaching, but they were also my teachers. So they taught me, um, everything. And then, um, you know, then summer hit and I was like, you know, do you guys mind if I stay for practices? And, and I was like, can I, can I get on the field? Like, I just really want to see, I know football from what I watch football on TV every Monday and Sunday, you know, college football on Saturdays, but we all know that that's, that does not mean that you understand the demands, the physical demands of a sport like football, where every position has a different demand and it's unlike any other sport in that aspect. So, um, they were, I remember they were like, you want to come to practice? And I was like, well, if you don't mind, it's cool. If you know, if it's cool, if that's not allowed. And, and they're like, you want to stand on the field at practice? And I was like, well, if it's okay, yes. <laughs> and they're like, never heard of a woman wanting to stand on a football field at practice. And I'm like, but for me, that's where I'm really going to study this sport and, and get in there and get eye level. Right. Like that was really, really, really important to me. And, and then, so I became obsessed with learning football and understanding, um, skills and demand and, um, you know, why, things are called certain things and, and, um, you know, why certain positions do the things that they do. And, 
uh, also very lucky that my husband was a college football player. So at dinner every night we would go, I would be like, okay, so what is like RPO? I don't like, you know, and so he would like kind of, you know, break, I know what, I knew what that was, but do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like yeah. con- conceptually, uh, I would ask my husband the things that, um, we didn't have, I didn't have time to ask you know, out on the field, or I just didn't want to interrupt, you know, or whatever, but they were super open to me asking questions in real time. Like, just, if you want to know something, just ask. So that was really awesome experience. I, my first two seasons, I spent like completely immersed in, in football. And, um, so, you know, the, now, now I think, I think I'm, I can't remember. This is terrible. I'm going into my fourth or fifth season, but I feel like this is the fifth. But the COVID year, like, kind of threw me off a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, what I love is that you took this chance deal because I feel like a lot of times coaches kind of have this. They kind of fit into one of two ways in which they got started. Either they were kind of brought up through a coaching system or a coaching family, or they thought maybe they didn't know how to start and then it just kind of fell in and now it's like I guess I was meant to do this all along and that's kind of how my my journey was like um you know I didn't my dad was my dad coached me a little bit um he was maybe one or two times like my actual youth coach of that team but a lot of times he was he was working in the restaurant business. So he's either opening or closing the restaurant. And so that just wasn't a, a flexible deal in that regard, but he was always there and, you know, coached me on the side, but that was it. That was the extent of his coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, go to college. Uh, just thought I was going to be Drew Rosenhaus and make the <laughs> big bucks. And that just didn't pan out and went back home to Houston, Texas. And the, one of the coaches that coached me, uh, helped me get my foot in the door. And I started like Eric Spolstra in the video office and just mm-hmm. worked my way awesome. onto the field. And, you know, I, I don't imagine doing anything else, <clears throat> but what I, I really like is how you talked about going out to practice and observing practice, right? Cause, cause like you said, we can all watch it on TV and mm-hmm. think we have an understanding, but until we actually go physically there, we don't understand, but exactly what you're talking about, the demands, the physical demands that are placed on the athletes, specifically in football, where there's so many different things going on at once. Right. Right. Um, in the other, in other sports like baseball or softball, if the ball's not hit to you, there's only a very, there's a limited amount of movement that you're going to do. Right. Um, you know, tennis to me is also one of those deals where it's like, there's never a stopped motion other than waiting for the serve other than that right. you're, you're moving all the time right um you know but understanding those physical demands helps you to better program absolutely so that you know how to better assist those athletes and i think that's something that experienced coaches understand that younger coaches need to take mm-hmm. time and understand especially if you're in charge of everybody's programs like go find time to be at practice and see what they're doing, Uh, especially what that coach is doing for their sport. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because I think a lot of times 
and, and I'm sure you've seen it with, with involved, particularly in those sports that are not so accustomed to the weight room, like football is, they have a fear of the weight room. So in order to ease those fears, you can then address the things that need to be done. And you talked about your, your kind of your niche is um, the corrective movement injury prevention. So now you can approach those coaches and say, look, this is what we need to do so that you don't keep having these injuries happen. And I think that that builds that buy-in with those kids too, because they're like, well, coach red has my best interest because she's going to help me not to get hurt anymore, or at least get hurt less. Well, that's what I love about strength and conditioning is that it really is just for the betterment and the, and of, of high school. I mean, they're children, right. But they're children and we're asking them to put their bodies on the line on a field or court. And, um, you know, it, football is not the only sport that has um, or can have the potential for a lot of injuries. Um, men's lacrosse, for instance, I don't know if you've ever seen a men's lacrosse game, but it is violent. It's and their pads are not all that great. I mean, they're pretty light. You know, the helmet is maybe the equivalent of like a skateboarding helmet, in my opinion. Um, and uh, you know, so to me, it just, it's a beautiful thing when a school is willing to take that seriously and say, we need someone around who's not just going to get our kids better. I mean, that is the point, right? Like, yes, we, by the time you get to high school, winning is the point. (laughs) Not that we're going to win every game because we don't, um, but creating a really great experience for everyone is really important to me. You know, I want my athletes to have opportunities on the field, on the court. Um, you know, very few kids we know get opportunity at the next level, but for those kids who are going to get that opportunity at college, we want to make sure they're protected and they're performing to the best of their ability so that they don't look back on that time and say, Oh, I bet if I had done this, I would have had, you know, this other um, opportunity. And in the high school strength and conditioning space, the spectrum of athletes ranges from I've never seen a weight room before. I've never even played a sport before. I'm just showing up as a freshman to, you know, the kid who looks like a grown man and um, everything in between. And you have to coach all those kids at the same time. And not everyone likes that, by the way. I know a lot of people who don't want to have anything to do with the team strength and conditioning space. They would rather do the private, semi-private, and that's fine. Um, I just, I love that. I love the chaos. I love the messiness of it. And then what that looks like three months later, and then another three months, and then what freshmen look like when they're sophomore, and then when they're juniors, and then when they're seniors. So um, you know, to me, I think like that is just the coolest part of all of it. And when you have, when a school has a really good strength and conditioning program, everyone benefits, the athletes benefit, the coaches benefit. Um, I always invite coaches in to be in there with me and learn, um, just kind of like what I do, you know, with the consulting work 
that I do where I, you know, obviously at, if I'm on site, that's a live, um, you know, learning experience and, um, coaches will often learn things about their athletes that they did not already know in that, in that situation where they're like, okay, yeah, that actually makes sense. I can see why, uh, you know, John was having, uh, trouble, you know, with speed or, whatever. And we work through those things in that off season and preseason. So that I basically, I feel like my job is to just hand a coach, a healthy roster of capable and athletic kids. And so, you know, when you look at it that way, um, everybody, everybody benefits from that. And, um, parents are generally, you know, happier too, because their kid is getting supported in the off season. They're, um, you know, they're getting really good quality programs that they feel confident are run, you know, by a professional and, um, and then they start to see, you know, their kid has more opportunity on the field. And, you know, there's a lot of parents out there going to a game every Friday night in the fall and their son never gets on the field. And, you know, my biggest source of pride is if we can do enough work in that off season and preseason to get kids on the field who maybe would not have had that opportunity if they weren't, you know, doing that work, maybe they're not starting, but it sure is way more enjoyable for mom and dad. If they get to see, you know, some time, um, on the field. So I just kind of, you know, look at it that way. Um, it's great to have like super athletic kids around, you know, their bodies do whatever, whatever they want it to do. Those kids are easy to train. Um, cause they have like an innate, you know, built in like awareness, I think. Um, but it's, it's those kids who are kind of like below that, um, that I, you know, we try to elevate them and get them is, you know, close to their ceiling as possible so that they can have those opportunities. No doubt. <clears throat> I, I'm, I agree with you. You know, it's, everybody can say, oh, well, I coach all these great athletes and it may look, make you look like a, a, a good coach or a great coach, but I think it's the coaches that can elevate those, those lower level athletes. Like you talked about the ones that walk into a weight room and are like, uh, what is this? I don't yeah. know. Uh, and then they surprise you with their ability to move, um, or they verify your, you know, preconceived notions that, oof, this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a project. And, oh, and yeah. sometimes those projects pay off the greatest. Um, because at the end of the day, like you talked about, there's only a very small percentage that are going to go play at the next level. Right. But what you can do for the rest of your life is continue to exercise, continue Absolutely. to run and walk and train. So, you know, for you, <clears throat> not only as a strength coach, but as a wife and a mother, you're instilling values into the kids that you're around. Uh, and you may not explicitly talk about what goes on, but they, I'm sure that they've seen you interact, um, you know, with your husband or with your kids. Mm -hmm. So they're like, she, she's tough on me. Um, and she's, I don't know, you might be tougher on your kids. 
in the in the in the athlete. My daughter would say I am, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. She um like I'm not gonna lie though. I am a demanding person. It's my personality. So I probably am like very cut out to be a strength coach. I just I'm very particular. (laughs) I like things a certain way. Um, my husband is super chill. So that's why the relationship (laughs) works. There can't be like two of me, um, in, you know, in the house. And I have learned over the years as a wife and mother to soften that. Right. Because as much as I want to coach my husband and my daughter through things like putting your shoes away and like, the joke in the house is like, don't, I'm going to get my whistle out. Like, don't make me get my whistle out. I'm going to start coaching in the house. And my daughter's like, no, don't do that. But, um, you know, my husband, it's been like a really amazing experience for him because, you know, he doesn't play football anymore. And that was his life for all those years. And he had, a you know, a dream of going pro that didn't pan out. And, um, but he had a backup plan and, you know, he owns an insurance agency to this day and is very successful. Um, and he spends his time on the golf course quite a bit. So it's like golf replaced football. Um, and watching me, you know, be a strength coach specifically for, for football, but really for all sports, it's been like a really wonderful way for him to kind of relive his glory days. And I didn't know him during those days. Right. So I never actually got to see my foot, my husband play football in person. Um, which is one thing that I just like, Oh man, I really wish that I would have been able to see that. Cause he was really good. And, um, you know, when it comes to my daughter though, she comes, she comes to work with me. She, I'll let her run drills. Uh, she runs, you know, the, the core lifts and, um, you know, she gets to decide on, on Fridays, she decides, you know, what the drills are and demonstrates it for the kids. And, um, you know, she's definitely interested in, um, maybe doing this work someday. And I always tell her, you know, if you just keep coming and learning what I, what I'm building here is yours. If you want it someday, this business will be yours. And, um, you know, and my husband's also like, yeah, so is mine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, your dad makes a lot more money than I do. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, one's cool, kind of sweaty, not as much money. One's in an office. You can golf as much as you want, lots more money. And she's like, and we're like, or you could just do something else totally. Um, but it is kind of cool to have a job that my daughter can come with me. And, um, you know, she looks at them like her, they're her brothers. And, um, when we lose, she's upset. And, um, you know, every Friday night, my husband and my daughter stand down the way on the sideline and he's teaching her football, her football through Friday nights. So they, they do like, they have like their own little analysis that they're doing and they'll go over plays. And then afterwards she give she'll give me like specific instances where so-and-so messed up, uh, too many turnovers. You know, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is like, she really knows, you know, she really knows this stuff. And she's a very good athlete herself. And what most people 
think before they know who my husband is, is that she gets her athleticism for me. And what's funny is that I've had to work really hard on my athleticism. My husband is the naturally gifted athlete in the family. And thank God my daughter got those genes. So she's got his genes, but then she's also a product of her environment. And she knows that at the age of 11, she knows that that's very special that she gets to come and be around high school athletes and see them train. I let her do at this point, she can do whatever, you know, she wants to do in terms of lifting as long as it's safe and not super heavy. And, um, I don't make her not yet. I mean, when she hits like 13 or 14 lifting will definitely be a requirement. Um, and then, you know, now that we've got girls teams in the weight room as well, that's just been another layer of, um, you know, goodness for, <laughs> for lack of a better word for her, because, um, then she gets to see girls getting stronger and, but she also sees me, you know, as a female in a male dominated space, um, you know, owning that work and, and being really good about it. And we talk about that a lot. We talk about, you know, the fact that I don't get to be not great at what I do. I just don't, it's not an option for females. And, um, but I don't mind that. Like, I like it. I, that's my fuel, right. To just make sure that when I'm talking, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to talk on the subject. And I need to know a lot about a lot of things and just being able to, you know, having the freedom to pour myself into that work and actually create a business around strength and conditioning as well. And to basically just only do the work that I want to do, which has taken me 10 years, you know, to get to that point. But, um, she's seen that whole entire process of that fight you know, what that looks like, the, the good days, the hard days, the, the deals and the gigs I didn't get. And, um, you know, the frustration, but then, you know, those moments on Friday nights when the lights turn on and the team's running out and, you know, I feel that tap on my shoulder and it's my daughter. I mean, I get like emotional, almost like talking about that kind of stuff. And I, and I look down and if her, and he and her are not down there by like a certain time I'm texting, where are you guys? Because for me, that's almost like my security blanket. And I'm not like really interacting with them a whole lot, but um, it's just good. I just, it, I feel like, okay, you know, I'm kind of superstitious too. So <laughs> it's like, they need to be there. They need to be in position and, um, you know, and then they're doing their little commentary and, you know, we chit chat at halftime and on, you know, timeouts and stuff like that. Not that I'm doing anything on Friday nights, but I'm just watching the kids. I'm looking at, um, speed and, and making sure we don't look like we're leaking energy anywhere. And, um, you know, does anything need to be adjusted in the weight room this week? That's really what I'm doing. So Friday nights, I'm like super quiet. I don't really say anything. I'm just like standing arms folded, quiet. And people are like, that's the complete opposite of what you are during the week <laughs> in the weight right. room. I'm kind of like, you know, crazy on, on level 10, but yeah, it's, it's a family affair. I think that's, that's awesome. <clears throat> I love how you brought up the fact that your daughter gets to see you 
through all this and she's seen the good and the bad and she's not being she's being given the opportunity to to come on her own free will she's given the opportunity to decide to lift on her own free will under supervision and and with with instruction uh, i've been fortunate this past year to work with some really great female throwers at our school both mm. of whom uh, were juniors this past year and are seniors and uh one's <clears throat> one plays basketball um i think that's probably what she's going to end up doing in college um you know that's kind of her first love but she's a good mm. she's a good discus thrower uh she's got long levers um so if, if she really really wanted to she could probably go and throw in college i mean wow. to me she looks like a collegiate discus thrower mm. long legs long arms short torso just you know we we worked a lot of technique and and you know the battle wasn't more on the psychological side mm. the other one is uh is very much on the dedic as a dedicated thrower uh private coach uh but the other thing that she bought into was coming into the weight room and so she would show up and we would get after it at 7 a.m you know awesome. monday through monday through thursday uh because most of our track meets this past year were on saturdays uh, mm -hmm. so you know friday was a chance to either come in for uh foam rolling and and you know soft tissue work and mobility work or it was mm -hmm. sleep in and um you know get some extra extra sleep and some extra uh eats before school and you know let's go to work on saturday but she continued to to come and train after the season was over um she qualified for regionals took a week off and was right back the next week um training during what would have been the state meet and uh i made a comment to her the other day that our uh, our linebackers coach uh his kids come up all the time he's got two older girls uh very active and i always kind of watch I'm a big people watcher, whatever mm -hmm. I'm doing, regardless if it's in the weight room or where you're out, you're out to eat, you just people watch. Mm -hmm. And I would catch both of his daughters, you know, watching her. And she was never doing anything that was super heavy uh, in, in relative to her strength uh, because she hadn't lifted in a long time. So, you know, we were basically block zero building from there. Uh, we've maxed on a couple of things just to kind of get a gauge, but for the most part, it's all been, um, you know, volume and, and, and varied intensities. But mm -hmm. I told her, I said, these girls are in there. Uh, they're, they're very young, right? I think one is about to be a freshman. The other one's in junior high and mm -hmm. they see you. Um, they may not know who specifically you are, but they also see that you're the only female right now after school in the weight room on a consistent basis every now and then there's a couple of other little uh girlfriends that would come in after school mm -hmm. with with some of the football guys but they didn't train as serious as right. she did and i say you, you know you're you're in a position of, of influence whether you realize it or not mm -hmm. that you're showing these girls that it's okay to get in here train alongside the boys and train hard right, right? you don't have to do the Instagram social media workouts and flex and no, it's because, and I, t I tell all my kids, hard work is ugly. It's not supposed it, to be cute. It so is. Yeah. It's, it looks nothing like that at all. 
my workouts don't look like I look horrid when I'm working out. I mean, I'm like, who, like what in the world? I, that kind of stuff is really not what our teenage girls need to be seeing. And, um, one of the things, you know, that's like when people, you know, always would be like, wow, that's so great. You could train a whole football team. And I think what they're really thinking is how can a female handle that? And, you know, which I kind of take that with a grain of salt, you know, to a degree, but what I'm actually the most proud of is, you know, the, the mission, um, that I feel like I'm fulfilling right now in getting more girls teams, not just a couple of girls from one team. I want the whole team in the weight room. Um, and so the school that I work in now, we've, we've, all of the girls are training and there are outside of football. They're our biggest groups. So it's, yeah, girls have been kind of hesitant, I think in the past. Um, but they want to be in there by and large, they want to be in there. Um, I was recently at a family cookout and there was a young lady there with a friend of like a family member. And I was like, that girl looks really familiar. Where do I know that girl from? And so I, I said, you know, you look familiar. And I was like, where'd you go to high school? And she said, you know, Shamana Julia high school. And I was like, Oh, that's where I know you from. And, um, she said, well, you do look familiar too. And I said, well, I'm the strength coach. And she's like, oh yeah, the football coach. And I said, well now, and she's graduated. And I said, well, now it's everybody. And she's like, oh, you have basketball too. And I was like, no, everybody. <laughs> and I said, even the girls. And she's like, are you kidding me? We wanted to be in there with you so bad. And we thought you only wanted to do football. And I was like, oh, dang, that kind of like, that kind of broke my heart and a little bit. And I, but I kind of have always suspected that that's what the perception was that, you know, because a lot of people do covet football in this way that they don't covet, you know, other sports. And I'm like, no, from pretty much from day one, I was wondering out loud, why aren't the girls in here? And, you know, it honestly wasn't, intentional, but it wasn't pushed or encouraged. And, and there was really no one around to, that knew what they were doing. So, you know, that as by default, then, you know, teams, not just girls teams just end up not having a strength and conditioning program. And, um, you know, we got started, I got started with a girls softball and lacrosse in the winter of 2019 and then COVID hit. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we did all that lifting and finally got the girls in there for the first time ever. They were the first two girls teams ever, um, to be in the weight room and, um, you know, everything got shut down. And so, and now that, you know, now things are normal and, um, you know, lacrosse, softball, soccer, tennis, we've got golfers in there now, male and female golfers in there now. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what happens when you open it up to be, you know, this all inclusive, um, thing. And, um, but the, you know, getting the girls in there specifically, you know, I felt like as a female and strength and conditioning, it is my obligation to use my platform 
to push for girls in sports to be treated like athletes, not to be treated like girls who play a sport. Um, because that's how I was treated. I, I basically was like allowed to play the sport (laughs) when I was in high school. And, um, I always wonder if I had someone like me, what, what my opportunity would have been to play perhaps in college. I think, I think my best bet would have been softball, um, maybe soccer, um, I swam in the winter, but that was just because I had nothing else to do. I was not really very fast as a swimmer. Um, I just didn't like, so- I didn't like basketball and I wanted to play three sports. So, um, but you know, I just didn't have anybody. We didn't have weightlifting. We had a weight room, but the girls didn't get to use it. Um, and obviously that was a really long time ago. And even to see the athletic trainer, I recall specific instances where I was in line to have an ankle checked or you know, a groin checked from soccer and, you know, in comes the football team. And I would literally get bumped to the back of the line. And I tell my athletes these stories now, and they're like, come on, that did not happen. I'm like, it really did happen. Granted, it was the late eighties and telling my age right now, but you know, it, that sort of thing doesn't blatantly happen anymore. I don't think, um, but there, there's still that underlying, um, you know, belief that girls don't want to, they're too afraid to, or they don't need it because they're girls and, you know, they're just playing for fun. And I completely disagree. I see female athletes every day who have goals and aspirations, but they just don't have somebody other than their parents encouraging them and, and saying like, you you can do more. You could, you could be better than you are now, even, you know, and you could be stronger and you could be faster and, you know, here's how we're going to do it. And, you know, one of, one of the biggest pushbacks that I've gotten, not really from coaches where I work on site, but just coaches around the country is like, Oh, well, they're worried about getting bulky. Have they said that to you? Cause I've never once had a girl come up to me and say, coach Mel, I'm afraid of lifting. Cause I don't want to get bulky. Now I'm sure that issue exists out there, but I think we're also assuming that that is what's going through their minds without them actually, you know, really saying that. In fact, I see girls, you know, walking around the weight room after, you know, like doing bench press or something, they get up off the bench and like, Oh, you know, going like that, just like the guys do. And I'm like, yes, that is so awesome. I love, you know, I love seeing that and getting them to compete with each other when we're sprinting and you're racing. You know, and and all those, all those little, you know, nuanced things that girls just haven't had that exposure to in in an off season. Yeah, I I agree with you 100% on all that. Um, When I was down in South Texas, um, prior to coming up to Central Texas, Austin area, uh, I was finally able to be the strength conditioning coach for the entire, all the athletic programs. We're a small school. Um, about four or 500 kids. Uh, and the majority of the kids played sports or mm-hmm. they were in the band. I'm uh, in a very similar situation. I think we have a small school, about 60%, I think play sport. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I walked in day one and I told the girls, I was like, look, you're not going to get bulky. I was like, you understand the, the amount of, I said, one, 
the amount of time and effort it takes to get to this uh, a perceived bulky right. level is not anywhere close to where you're going to have. Like right. I'm going to either have you for two, three, four years, you won't get there. Um, the other thing is you got to put some other things in your body that you're not going to be putting into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're not even just talking about general nutrition. Um, cause that's a, that's a need for all athletes Definitely. in general. But, you know, one of the things that I found is that the girls were more competitive and more driven than the boys, you know, because it was expected of the boys. Right. So they just kind of took it for granted. Whereas exactly what you were saying, somebody shows up, tells them and shows them how much better they could be and more they could do. And it drove them to do that, Mm -hmm. you know. Some already kind of had an idea um, and they these girls had already been exposed to the weight room and lifting and things. Um, but I think when I got there. I was the one that really pushed them to understand how much better they could be and the conversations yeah. that I still have with them today. Um, you know, for me, one of the greatest things is being able to say I helped spur somebody's love of, you know, lifting or, or training and something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Had a girl, my, my first, she was there my, my second year. Um, she was a track girl and I was also the power li- head powerlifting coach. And so I was needing, I was needing more girls because it, it was a decent size, but I just, I wanted more. I wanted to be able to fill more weight classes. Um, and I, I, you know, come, come to one training session, come to one training session, come to one meet for me. That was it. That was, that was it. I was like, then after that, you know, one week of training, one meet, let's see where you like it. Uh, she took to like a fish to water and she now competes in the USAPL. Like she's far off on her own. She's doing, you know, and it was just, one year now am i the only reason no do i think she might have found it down the road yeah possible but she kind of has moved her her love of track moved to the side and realized this is something that i can do for the rest of my life i can't Mm -hmm. do track the rest of my life true i can't run hurdles the rest of my life but i can lift the rest of my life um and i and so when i see her post whether it's her struggles or her successes it motivates and inspires me to to continue to do the things that I'm doing because it's like I'm gonna reach at least one more, right? She won't mm-hmm. be the only one. Um you know, and that's not to say that I haven't worked with guys and had success with guys and I have. Um but like you said, there's there hasn't always been that person to push girls in the weight room. Yeah. And well there hasn't them. been equity yeah. at all. You know, they're just, it, there, it, there hasn't. And, and some people don't like to hear that because they get a little, you know, defensive. Oh, whoa, they just, you know, you know, and it's like, that's not what this is about. It's pointing fingers. It just is a, you know, inequity that exists. And I think we're doing a much better job today than we were three, four or five years ago in you know getting girls in there and inspiring girls and and helping them build confidence and um i mean i'm sure you've seen 
kids, girls and boys come into the weight room for the first time. And they're just kind of, you know, like a little like closed, they're like hunched over. They're, you know, like almost physically self-protecting because they're scared, you know, of what is about to happen. And then two weeks later, you notice that kid is standing taller and not only do they know what the lifts are, but they might be helping someone else. You know, if someone else says, Hey, what is a, you know, half knee, one arm shoulder press. And my teens get really mad. Cause I have like really long names, but I spell them out. Cause they forget, like I've tried to be as descriptive as possible. Um, but you know, for to have another kid, like before I can even get over there, say, you know, pop down on one knee and grab a dumbbell and start pressing overhead. And I'm like, yes, that's it. That's that in and of itself is like, you know, an important, it's a valuable aspect of what we do because they're working together. They're helping each other. We're building cultures. Um, you know, I think, teams that don't do any off or preseason training, I think it's nearly impossible for them to build any kind of culture or change a culture, which is very difficult. I think it's easier to build one from nothing than it is to change a culture that's not working or that, you know, that is negative or toxic. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that I love now is that the girls are getting so confident, they're challenging boys to, um, squat maxes and sprints and, and things like that. And, you know, um, I'm hearing about that, uh, you know, through the grapevine or, you know, girls are coming up to me and do you think I could beat so-and-so in a race? And I'm like, I don't know, let's find out, <laughs> you know, I think that's great. And, um, what I also love is that the, the boys are just totally supportive of it from what I can tell. I've never heard otherwise. I better not. Um, because well, you know, that will be, that would definitely be addressed. And, um, you know, one of the things I've asked the boys teams is if you know, a girl that is lifting with me on a team, you know, encourage her, encourage them, encourage that team. Um, because it's new to them. They, they have not gotten access to this. Like you guys have your, you know, boys are expected to lift and, and train and, and girls aren't necessarily. So I think it's also, you know, at being a female strength coach, I also think it's important for young men to see a strong female, you know, in a role, um, of leadership and to, you know, show them that just because I'm a female, like I can still kick your butt <laughs> and I don't mean physically, but you know, I, I do that through a workout. And, um, you know, I think when I first arrived, I think they kind of thought I was going to be like some sort of team mom. And, um, you know, so I was getting like, Oh my my knees hurting, my ankles hurting. And, you know, I, I, I saw that we we're, I'm like, Oh, we're going down this road. Like you think I'm going to feel bad for you right now. And that's not what we're going to do. And, um, not that I didn't take, you know, injuries seriously, but it was, that was quite a process of like letting them know that's not, I'm not here to mother you. I'm here to be your coach. And then honestly, that, that process for me of like, how tough is too tough? You know, I, I, I remember the first day I lost my cool 
in a, in a training session. Cause they were just like all goofing off. And I went home and I was like, I told my husband, he's like, well, how's your day? I was like, I'm going to get fired. And, and he, I was like, I yelled at them and he was like, did you swear? And I was like, no. And he, I was like, but I yelled at other people's children. Like these are other people's children. And it was, that was the biggest adjustment for me. And, um, I, I was expecting a phone call. I really thought the coach was going to call me and be like, all right, this is not going to work out. <laughs> but you know, like it's when you got 50 kids who are all acting like a bunch of knuckleheads and you've given them 10 warnings, um, you know, then sometimes you got to get loud, uh, you know, in that moment. And that's where my daughter's wrong because I give, I give way more chances than people give me credit (laughs) for giving, (laughs) but yeah, she, um, but yeah, they, they definitely we're a little, you know, kind of like, well, what, what's her role? What is this going to be like? I think it was awkward, you know, for everyone at first. And then once the kids realized and, and parents realized that, um, you know, I was there to not baby and, and coddle. And I'm one of those females. I think I have more masculine energy than female energy. Like put me in a dress and I feel like a complete, like I am a fish out of water. I feel weird. <laughs> it's like not normal for me. Um, so I think once everybody kind of, you know, realized that that balance of, you know, yeah, I love you guys, but we're going to get after it today. And that's, you know, that's what we're here to do. Everything really kind of fell into place. So I think that's awesome. And I, and I love how you're sharing that <clears throat> in terms of creating that buy-in and you know, just getting on to them, you know, we're, we're just finished up our first week of summer strength conditioning. And right now I'm only working with, uh, with football, um, primarily. And then I have my, my throwers, uh, both the male and females, um, uh, and then those that play other, you know, play like, so the girls that play a, another sport, they've got a different girl session that's run by the girls coaches. Um, Uh, And then my other throwers on vacation. So I just told her, I was like, look, you're a kid. Go be a kid. If you can manage to get in some, some sprints, some mobility work, Mm -hmm. stretch and throw some pushups in there and some pull-up hangs, like we're fine. Like I'll still get you a workout. If you get access to a gym, great, but it's not going to be, it's not going to make or break it. Like we'll pick it back up when school starts, we'll figure out how to train. And, you know, we'll go from there. You're going to keep throwing with your other coach. So it's not like you're going to get rusty. Like, right. You know, These kids need breaks too. Though. They do. I mean, have you noticed this? I think it's even worse now, to be honest with you, post COVID, which is something I was really concerned about was, you know, the fact that you've got kids training with football who are still playing basketball or baseball all throughout the summer and there's very little planned just downtime for these kids for them personally as people um but also for their for their bodies and um you know i think that's where schools would be really would it would be a really good idea to have strength and conditioning programs because a strength and conditioning coach is going to build uh, rest week 
into, you know, into their blocks. Um, or sometimes school just dictates that, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're off this week uh, for exams that were, you know, two weeks ago, we were off for exams. It was actually the perfect time um, for football to, to take a break because we've been hitting it hard since January. And they were mentally drained from the school year and, you know, physically drained. And, and so I was like, yes, definitely. Let's, let's just give them, you know, give them the rest of the week off. And, um, you know, they came back pretty fresh a week later, which is really nice. But, you know, these, these kids are playing a lot of sports, sometimes two, I've seen kids play three sports at one time. Um, and I get it now that I have an 11 year old who's already, people are already trying to push her into, you know, choosing something and um you know yeah she's a good volleyball player she could potentially play volleyball all year round but we're not doing that we're not gonna we're not gonna choose one sport at the age of 11 and even when she specializes if she ever specializes there's gonna be a time off from that but there's this big misconception that you cannot take time off and still get better from season to season i think um soccer is notorious for believing that a day can't go by without your foot touching a soccer ball. And that is so untrue. Um, you know, and I just think strength coaches have to keep their eye on that. And I think we do have some influence to a degree over, over that. And I've been in conversations with parents where, you know, I'm like, can, can there not be AAU basketball all the way through football training. Cause if your kid is going and playing 15 games over the weekend, and then we got two a days on Mondays, he's depleted, you know, and, or, and potentially injured and, you know, having those conversations, I think those are opportunities for a strength coach to educate parents and other coaches on, you know, yes, their teenage bodies are very resilient, but they still have thresholds. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, and that's a that's a deal where I think again, social media is is a good and a bad with that because of the information that's out there. Right, this whole uh, grind till you shine thing. Like I I despise the word grind when it comes to training and sports because um. And I've changed my thought process on it. I used to think, oh, yeah, grind. and yeah, But it's like you get to the point where literally all you're doing is grinding yourself into nothing. Right. So so what are you achieving? If if everything is a grind, what is it? What is the value in that? There's always going to be hard days that, duh, mm-hmm. nothing comes easy. Right. But nothing worthwhile comes easy. Let me rephrase that. But if you're just beating yourself down, like you're saying – then you're, you're going to end up exactly where you're talking about right now is they're depleted. They're at higher risk of injury. And so then who are they going to point the who the parents or the kids going to point the finger at you, or they're probably not going to point it at their AAU coach who really might be the culprit because the yeah. AAU coach is the one telling them, no, you can't stop. No, you can't stop. Yeah. We know We're, that that's, we know for a fact that that is the culprit. <laughs> let's just be, yeah. Let's be real. That's we can be definitely real on that. a problem. That's, that's fair <laughs> enough. I agree. Um, you know, as, as my, 
as my buddy on on episode two i'm not politically correct when it comes to that yeah (laughs) we're on the podcast we keep it real on the podcast so you're correct with yeah we're gonna we're more than likely it's gonna be your private sector either trainer or coach um and the really good ones the truly really good ones will do a better job of communicating Mm -hmm. with said kid about what they're doing at school Mm -hmm. and kids should be a a really good community should be better at communicating, not, not saying they should be really good because all kids are terrible at communication. Totally. Um, <laughs> you know, to go to, to emphasize that and go off on a tangent, we're working with our junior high kids and, and our football uh, skills time. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're like, okay, I need you to communicate right here on this drill crickets, but yeah. they'll talk all day long getting water. And they'll talk when you're not supposed to, but when you need them to talk, they don't say anything. Right. Where do we miss here? Like, how do I reverse psychology this, this concept? But, but yeah, you know, kids and parents need to understand that there has to be rest. There has to be communication because if we, as the strength coach and school programs are pulling on it and the private sector is pulling on it, the kid's only going to get pulled apart. He's not going to get right. pushed back together. He's going right. to get pulled apart. And then you're going to help. You're going to hope that somebody can mend your kid and have them looking like, you know, uh, what's, what's the, what's the doll in um, nightmare before Christmas. She's all stitched oh, I know up. You're talking about. Yeah. Can't think of her. I, know I know Jack Skellington, but he's not all stitched up the way that the, the, the doll, mm-hmm. the girl doll is, yep. but you know, you, that's what you're going to look like in essence. You just, hopefully somebody can patch you up enough. Yeah. To keep functioning. I think what private trainers also need to, they need to respect, you know, what coaches, team coaches are trying to do, right? I mean, it's, it, there's a big picture here. There's a season and then there's also the program, right? Because we don't, we're focused on what's going to happen this season, but any head football coach is thinking about the program as a whole, um, the big picture. And, you know, I think private trainers could do a better job checking their ego and communicating with that athlete more or the athlete's parents or whatever. And, and also maybe feeling a little more comfortable saying no, You know, I saw a guy on Twitter and I don't know who he was, but it was, I respected it. It was a private trainer and his, all his tweet said, you might've seen it was don't skip your team workouts to come train with me. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Finally, because what the team is doing is the most important thing, right? Anything else is an additional like ancillary, you know, that has to come, um, that has to come second. And, um, I think private trainers would, would be, it would, it would behoove them to maybe just try to understand what are all the moving parts, um, in, in the individual sports, what, what is actually happening? What is, um, you know, what is it, what does it mean to have a ROPS, a roster in depth and, you know, moving all of those chess pieces around. I mean, we are responsible for entire teams and entire rosters, not just one kid. 
where, you know, the private trainers just focused on that one kid. And I've done private training before for kids who had a school strength and conditioning program. Um, all we did was the stuff they don't do. They didn't do in, in their lifts. So you, and I told dad, you know, if you want to pay for that, that's fine. But since he's benching and deadlifting, um, we're not doing that. We're not going to do, I'm not going to double up, you know, on those things. And uh, for me, a lot of times it was because the program at that kid's school was just really lacking. It wasn't well-rounded and, and the kid was injured because of it. And then that's, that's typically like the private client that I get um, in those situations. And it's, and it's very much like he has to go to those lifts. So how do we get him through those healthy, you know? And my first question is, you know, what are they doing? Um, how much are they doing? And, you know, you do rely on that communication quite a bit. And none of my sessions were ever scheduled when he had team lifts ever. So I worked around you know, I worked around that and, um, I feel like if I can do that, anybody else can do that, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely a big contributing factor. I see soccer players who, you know, strength train, um, they have open fields, they're on a club team, um, while they're in training for their school team and have, you know, sport uh, position specific, um, you know, training like goalie training or, you know, whatever going on and, and they come in and they're exhausted, you know, and I'm like, look, I mean, happy to have you here, but I'm, it wouldn't be smart for me to push you today because you're clearly depleted from, you know, whatever you did over the last 24, 48 hours. So, you know, you want a foam roll <laughs> and, you know, typically that's for that, you know, especially in the soccer space and especially for girls, they want to be lifting with their team. They're kind of tired of the private trainer for this and the other private trainer for that. They want to be, you know, with the team and with the girls. And, and my advice is, you know, if you, if you want, I can talk to your mom and dad, or you can try to manage that yourself and maybe, you know, ask for less, uh, so that you can come and do, you know, this other work that's really important. And, um, you know, sometimes we get through and sometimes we don't, but I feel like we always have to, I think we have to be careful how we talk about it, but I think we have to keep talking about it with our athletes and our parents for sure. I agree. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we got to finally do yeah, this. Thank you. Um, it's been very insightful, like I knew it would. Um, if people wanted to talk more with you or if they were interested in your consulting, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I mean, I'm on, on all of the social medias on, on Twitter. It's Coach, oh, geez. I think it's Coach underscore Mel Red, something like that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, my website is mrperformancetraining.com. Not Mr. That stands for Melanie Red. That was a poor choice of. <laughs> so mrperformancetraining.com. Um, those are all easy ways to reach me. On Facebook, my business page is Melanie Red Performance Training. Pretty, pretty simple. And then I think Instagram, I'm Melanie Red One. Cool. Well, I'll link all those in the show notes below. 
Uh, like I said, thank you again for taking the time and talking with us. And I hope a lot of people get something out of it. And if we can, uh, if we can help in any way, uh, Coach Red is definitely somebody you should reach out to. And um, she's happy to, to help you um, either program, ask questions, answer questions. Uh, I would highly recommend you guys reaching out to her. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fixed from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah.